<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. And evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. Are we on? That's our intro. Are we on? No. Are we hot? Are we? Mm. Hello, weirdos. <laughs> Welcome to A Little Independent, the movie podcast where two friends talk about independent, obscure, just plain weird movies. My name's Ryan. And I'm Todd. Hey, Todd. Hey, Ryan. No, it's hi, Ryan. How's it going, Kathleen Turner? I have body heat. <laughs> oh, good reference. Here we are again uh, with another episode, and we recorded, we talked about this last night, we recorded a day later in the week, and it feels like the last one happened very frequently, which is kind of cool by me. I like that. Yeah, six days ago. Six, thank you. Instead of seven. The, the, a little insight peering behind a curtain, everybody. <laughs> six days ago. <laughs> Pay no attention to that. And uh, do we have any... Uh, Additions to last week? Did we miss something last week with the swimming pool episode? Oh boy, we did. Was there something it's, that was on your mind? Yeah, but I don't have it right now. Awesome, riveting you, stuff. You, you literally just <laughs> crickets, crickets. Okay, that's all right. Maybe you'll think of it. Just shout it sporadically yeah, during the middle yeah. of this. Oh yes, there it is. It you know through the gray matter. It has, yes, it has there come it is. Forth. That, that's how. That's the nerdy so, version. So of that I saw song. a interview with uh, with the girl, a current the interview, lead. two months old, right? Lou Devine. Yeah, and she's now like forty one or whatever it is, and and she's getting a movie called uh, uh, Daddy Dad's Woods or Into Dad's God Almighty. Into Dad's Don't, Woods. That can't be it. Except it's the grossest thing I've ever heard. She has a fifteen year old daughter. So the daughter's now the in you know, she's the mom and now she has this crazy promiscuous daughter. Welcome to France. Into Dad and, and I guess we should apologize to the French. We were pretty rough on the French during that swimming pool episode. Well it was kind of a a fun, you know, like Because anytime something was weird, we'd just say, yeah. uh, blame it on the French, it's French. Right, and we use the French word. But I will say that I did, and I didn't tell you this, I did finish the Planet of the Apes novel, which was written by a French author, also the author of The Bridge Over the River Kwai, which is interesting. Yeah, filmed in France, right? And I love, I do like French literature. The Stranger by Albert Camus is one of my favorite books, and there is a certain tone of, of, of French literature. They exclaim a lot, and it's very existential, and it's, oh my, the universe. In Planet of the Apes, the book has a lot of that. Okay. And it's I'll have to give it to you. I haven't I, I have it I can give it to you. I totally recommend you read it. The ending is not like in the movie, but it's still I'd say a surprise ending. One hundred percent. So the Statue of Liberty no, is not absolutely not. Even though it exists in France and America. American Correct. film, yeah. French it, it writer. It doesn't end with the Eiffel Tower and ruins on one a beach either. One of the greatest sci-fi endings of all time. I'd say. Um, what What is better? The, I, I, I don't want to comment on what is better. It's it's You kind of see it coming, and it kind of has a one-two ending because how it starts. It's really different from the movie. 
But okay. there are really cool premises in it, and the world of the Planet of the Apes is much more like ours. There's cars and streets, and you know they wear clothing similar to ours. Um, but it still has a, a couple budget, of budget restrictions. <laughs> yeah, a couple of one two, and you don't have yeah. Charlton Heston just like it's a French guy. Yeah. Nova, just put on this fur thing. Can you imagine? It's like, oh, Nova, I I am I wish you could talk to me rather than like, does she understand me? I don't yeah. even can, know. Can you hear him saying it in a French voice? Like, <laughs> no. can you love? You know, I, I wonder ooh. if you're even capable of love. Oui, oui. Can you love? <laughs> But it the, work. the lead character, I forget the, the name. I keep forgetting the name, but it's not Taylor. And that kind of messes you up while you're reading it. But it's a, it's a really Nova, good book. Nova? Nova is Nova. There are, huh. and, and um, a lot of the, the eight names are similar, Cornelius. And it's a good book. It's a really good book. It's sad. It's like a 264-page book that took me like a month to read because I have no time. Well, the movie was 68. So when do you think the book came out? A few years before, I think. I think like, it was optioned pretty quickly. Was it real long? Okay. No, but it's it's a it's a really well done book, and it again is very French. It's like, oh my brain, you know, like there's exclamations of of these intrinsic problems that he's having and these existential issues of being the only sentient human among uh, an ape so culture. A, he's so. a drama queen. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So uh, last week was Todd's movie swimming pool. That was a lot of fun. And I had said that I was on a run of erotic thrillers, <laughs> which from the nineties. That was the third and the most fun to watch, <laughs> uh, to be sure. Um, but uh, for this episode, it's my movie, and it didn't take long to get to a horror movie for me. So I went with 2014's Poker Night. Yeah, and there is like a 2016. 17 poker night oh, same title yeah because they both yes, that's up, not surprising so make sure the, the scary mask in 2014 that's the one we're yeah doing. we're gonna get into the cover because the cover almost made me not rent this movie at first but 2014 poker night and the description of the film when a new detective is caught by a vicious psychopath and locked in a basement he must use the knowledge he learned from some of the best detectives at poker night then match wits against his captor what do you think yeah, I think you can pull the curtain down. From that's, IMDb. That's beginning to end. <laughs> and um, so how did you watch the movie? I watched it on YouTube. Okay. Yep. So at present, um, at least as of April 13th, 2021, uh, not available online, I own it on a previously viewed DVD that I purchased from Family Video. Because it was a one-off. It was a one-off. You have a whole thing with the one-offs. Yes, at the video store, the one copy. In this one, the cover, and, and looking back on it, the cover, it did, doesn't bother me that much, but you know, we'll put the cover on the Facebook page. But the cover looked cheesier than maybe I'd normally like, but the names of the actors pulled me in. <laughs> That's the only reason I rented it. Well. It it is a pretty good cast. It's yeah, astoundingly good. Yeah, and all of them at that time were doing, yeah, from TV, TV film, yeah, doing big TV series. Yeah. So that pulled me in, and I'm glad. Having said that, yeah, it's been a little while since I've watched it, and I'm going to be pretty tough on. This is probably as tough as I'm going to be on one of my movies thus far, because <laughs> I do have some questions. I'm not sad that we're doing it because I want people to see it. Um, there are some, you know, tougher elements. Of I'm it. sure there's a, a 
a serious call following for this movie. There's just got to be with all its quirkiness and, and you it, know. It's, you know, it's one of those, like I'd see Joe Bob Briggs doing it on The Last Drive-In, uh-huh. you know, in a few years. But there was something I remember that I went into it thinking, you know, slasher maybe, but it was more clever than I expected. Um, it's billed as a crime mystery thriller. So horror, at least on IMDb, is not in the description. Would you agree with that? Yeah, depending on, you know, if, if you think of slasher films as as horror, then, you know, you, I mean, you don't Do you look out. at this like a slasher? No, that's what I say. I don't. I, I think it, I would say it's a horror movie for sure. Well, when people, sometimes when people think horror, there's got to be all the slashing and. But there's some pretty you know, horrifying severe. shit in this movie. <laughs> right, but it's not the slasher horror. Yeah, but a slasher, I mean, there's many genres of horror, psychological, you know, spectral, hauntings. Well, well I totally is, consider this a horror movie. Is our, is our shirts a representation of a horror is movie? Is Silence of the Lambs a horror movie? I'd wait, say, yeah. Wait, wait. Wait, let me ask. I don't think so. This other person. I think it is a psych- psychological thriller. Well, I don't know if we'd put thriller, but psychological. There's a guy who wears another man's face on his face. There's also a scene where Hannibal Lecter has crucified a man, split him open, his guts are all over. Yeah. How he does that is another podcast. I don't know if we can spin off how they do that in the movies. But when he escapes from that jail cell and he literally crucifies a guy up yeah. in the ceiling with strobe lights. And then Jim Pembry. Jim Pember, damn it, talk, talk to, to him. him. Hey, Jim, you're looking <laughs> real good, buddy. Yeah, I think my definition of horror film might just be a little bit different than yours is all yeah because of what the way yeah i i find elements of a guy in a mask who murders who abducts people who does horrible things to them that's a horror movie but traditionally it's you don't see a lot of death or killing you see the aftermath of it you see yeah and it has this element of whimsy which may polarize people well and some of the music's that way too yeah and it and and there's time jumps and and reading the reviews a lot of the reason why people didn't like this movie was they didn't understand the time jumps. And I kind of get it, but we'll get to it. But it stars, uh, and this is uh, billed on IMDb, uh, Bo Murchoff as Stan Jeter. That's the lead. Yep. Have you seen him in anything? No. He, he kind of looks like the guy that was in Godzilla 2014. Godzilla. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. From Kick-Ass, who's way... I kind of hate this guy. I kind of hate the lead actor in this you movie. You hate Stanley? Stan Jeter. Stan, right? Stan Jeter, Jeter, I think. Jeter. The only thing that he's notable, he was in the Flatliners, the 2017 Flatliners remake. Oh, I didn't watch that. I, I think I kind of hate this guy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, again, it's been a while. Right, but it's, I was just laughing because, you know, you pick your movie and then like, I hate the lead actor. But in it's this okay. Movie. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of movies that I love and I want people to watch that may have elements that aren't perfect. Uh, then it stars Ron Perlman as Calabrese. And, I mean, what do you say about Ron Perlman? This fucking guy is a legend. He, his performance in Quest for Fire as a caveman yeah. Yeah. exceeds everything. Yeah. Um, he has 263 acting credits to his name. Oh my God. Unbel- the guy essentially is in everything. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, for, for Hellboy, he was amazing in. Uh, I want to plug a recent movie, um, Monster Hunter. 
It's a video game adaptation, Mila Jovovich and my man, Tony Jaw. I love Tony Jaw. But Ron Perlman shows up in this with weird braids, and it's just a Ron Perlman thing for him to be in because he doesn't he's not in it a bunch, but you're like, ah, fucking Ron Perlman. Yeah. Um, he's in another underrated movie that I love called The Mutant Chronicles, which is a fun sci-fi movie with Tom Jane. And he is in a Star Trek Next Generation movie. And it's Star Trek Nemesis. And you'll know why I love this, because Tom Hardy, at age 17 or 18, plays the main villain in Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> and Ron Perlman plays his mutant, heavily make-upped second-in-command. Oh. How about Enemy at the Gates, where he's giving that description of his teeth being knocked out? Oh, yeah. That was oh brilliant. God. Beauty and the Beast, I, I think he's well-known for. So Ron Perlman. Then you have Giancarlo Esposito as Bernard I think probably best known for Breaking Bad, would you say? Yeah, I've actually started watching Breaking Bad for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I don't I had never so he gone runs into the series. He runs a chicken restaurant or a chain of in Breaking Bad. I didn't get that far then. He's in The Mandalorian. Um but again, this is somebody who's been in almost 200 productions. Yeah. And he's great as a young person. Now my, one of my fa- he's in Trading Places as cellmate two. So when <laughs> Eddie Murphy, <laughs> I know this, Eddie Murphy gets arrested and he does that like, I'm a karate man. I bleed on the inside. And those two guys are in there mean mugging him like, yeah. Giancarlo Esposito is one. He's also in Maximum Overdrive, which is a movie for some reason I've been watching a shitload of lately. He's the guy in the in the uh, video arcade room and like the cigarette machine starts going crazy and he starts filling his pockets with cigarettes and then he gets exploded. Um, and he's in a movie that I watched recently that I had, I'd forgot about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro man. I have seen that Ricky Rourke, right? Yeah. And, and Don Johnson. And, um, Don Johnson. Yeah. I want to try I wanted to say, uh... and do you remember that it's a sci-fi movie? It's set in the future. No. So bizarre. But he's so he Giancarlo Esposito is like getting acclaimed now because he's more refined and and Breaking Bad and Mandalorian. But he's been in a ton of stuff, and he's somebody who, like Ron Perlman, when they pop up, you're like, yes, mm-hmm. so, I'm happy with this. You know, as you're going down this this great cast, you have this new newer writer director, right? The only way you get people like this in a movie is the script. True. They read the script and they it's not the money. They're busy as shit right and yeah. during oh, yeah, 2014 doing all these TV series. Yeah. They read the script and they say, "Yeah, I want to do this." And I think it's the flashbacks that probably hooked them. The way they were written. If mm-hmm. I looked at the script, I'd love to see it. Well, but I I think it's just original. The the Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. The overall, the idea the overall of thing of it, exactly. And there's so many switcheroos and so many gotchas. That maybe it seems too much, but on the page, I bet it was really compelling. Uh-huh. Um, so you have uh, Titus Welliver as Maxwell, and he's – I've never watched the show, but he's best known for that show Bosch. Uh, don't know. It, I, I don't know much about it, and I don't want to sound uh, ignorant, but it, I think it's a cop show. And I feel like in this movie, he's that character. Tough, upset, angry all the time, beard. Which one is he? The – He's the bearded guy. Amy's Amy's dad. Do spoiler. Yeah, that wasn't a spoiler. He's the angry guy. He's yeah. <laughs> he's known. You know, I looked Thank through. His, you. I Thank looked, you. I looked through his movies. 
He was he played the cop who maced Jim Morrison in the Doors movie. So Val Kilmer is Jim Morrison. He's credited as macing cop. Uh, he had an uncredited role in Air Force One, which is just a movie I wanted to bring up because I shamelessly love it. But I loved him. He was in Argo. He was great in Argo. And that's a movie that I really like, and I've watched several times over. The Aflac? Yeah. Right. You know, Aflac. It's, Af, yes, the <laughs> movie about the duck. <laughs> then we have Ron Eldard as Cunningham. And Ron Eldard, he's the guy with the long blonde hair. And he's somebody I remember. I look at him, and I see him as a child actor. Oh, uh, well, he, he's like a motorcycle dude or something in one of the what series? Um, I, uh, so well, Anarchy is, is Sons Perlman. of Anarchy is Ron Perlman. Yeah. So Walking I, Dead, maybe? I don't know. He's in something. I okay. see him as There's a kid. There's people screaming at us right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. like, you dumb you bastards. You said you didn't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> but I, I maybe I don't because he's in Drop Dead Fred. Oh, one of the most go. upsetting yeah. bonkers movies of all time. He's in Sleepers. Remember Sleepers? Vaguely. Kevin Bacon. About the kids who end up in prison. And Kevin Bacon is their crazy, unbelievable movie. Um, I love this guy in a movie that's really cheesy called Ghost Ship. It's a haunted cruise ship movie with Gabriel Byrne. He's in that. He's good in okay. that. And he's in a movie... That's the saddest movie I think I've ever seen called The House of Sand and Fog with Ben Kingsley and Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Don't, if you haven't seen, don't. Listeners, I've, don't. I've it's seen the trailers. saddest goddamn movie I've, I've seen ever the cover. seen. cover. He's like profile ball. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. It, unnet, sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, this is not fucking, there's no reason for this. <laughs> like, why did you do this? I get for the artistic reason, but I am severely depressed right now. Well, who, who signed on? First, Conley or, or Gandhi? You know, that's the question. I I, I bet, I mean, again, <laughs> for the scripts, yeah. it, it's a be- on the page probably beautiful. But visually, in, in watching the movie is heartbreaking. And I and this is a neat little tidbit because I watched Gandhi not too long ago. But did you know that that was his first leading role in only his second movie? That's interesting, no. Yeah, it's kind of like was, Peter O'Toole's first the, leading role was uh, Arabia. was Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, so it was just he did one other movie credit, but he wasn't a lead or anything. Yeah, I mean, and that was to me. We said that before. I mean, just one of the best performances yeah. ever. Unreal, unreal. Um, I wasn't going to include this guy because he wasn't that important to the story. But Corey Large plays Davis, the hammer or uh, what do you call that hammerhead mustache? The, oh, the Chicago cop. The Chicago cop. Now. He's got an uncredited role in Lone Survivor and Machine Gun Preacher, two movies you know I like. Yep. But he's an executive producer on like 30 movies, huh. including Heist, the movie with Robert De Niro, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Dave Bautista on the bus with Gina Carano, although we shouldn't talk about her, I guess, too much lately. He executive produced <laughs> It Follows, that like awesome indie horror movie that came out a few years ago. The Angriest Man in Brooklyn, which I believe was Robin Williams' last film. Huh. The November Man, which was a great movie with Pierce Brosnan. He's the executive producer on Zombievers, a movie that will be discussed <laughs> will be on this show. <laughs> That's definitely in the... And then Marauders, First Kill, and a whole bunch of others, all those Bruce Willis straight-to-video yeah. that we've been talking about. Yeah. This guy is executive producer on, like, four of them. So... 
he's he's in with Willis. So I, it's weird that he's in the movie. Uh, he's fine. Yeah, um, I wonder what exactly his. You know, what do you do as an executive producer for all those? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a busy guy, and he kind of he kind of comes across that way. He's got that like commanding presence, kind of a bully. Not to say executive producers are bullies, but it takes a certain type, right? <laughs> then uh, in the cast we have Michael Eklund, and he is billed as the man, who is our villain. Where's the man? And did um, you leave somebody out? Isn't there one more? No, no, I'm I'm not even somebody... done yet. I know we got a longer cast list. Kind of long blonde hair. The movies that I do. But uh, Michael Eklund has been in a lot. He's been in over 100 movies, 150-something. Um, he's in 88 Minutes, this terrible movie with um, Al Pacino that I watched for another podcast that I listened to. He's in a horror movie called Nurse 3D, which is one of the most bananas. Like, if you're a fan of, like, full frontal female nudity, you'll love this movie. Um, he's in Mr. Right. Have you heard me talk about Mr. Right with Sam yeah. Rockwell? Yeah, you had me watch that. I love that movie. And he is in a movie called Into the Forest. What? I'm just going to let you stew on that for a second. He is wait, in a movie called Into wait, the Forest. Wait, wait, There's our first. Second. Is is he the guy that attacks? Correct. Is your mind Get the right fuck now? out of town. I can't. No, he's, he's that guy. He's and really young, I though. think we talked about this before, and maybe you forgot. Maybe it's the haircut. Yeah. No, it, he's gross and greasy in Into the Forest. He's kind of gross and greasy in this. It's that guy. He, he's the one that Evelyn Rachel Wood. Correct. Yeah, that's d- the guy. Destroys her. Same act. Same actor. Yeah. God, <laughs> I told you he looked familiar. See, I knew your mind would be oh, blown. I, all right, I'm signed out. <laughs> and then out. Uh, we've got uh, Halston Sage as Amy. Had you seen her in, 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 in anything before? No, I hadn't either. She's. In Neighbors, a fun horror comedy called Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. And she kind of made it big time because she plays uh, Dazzler in X-Men Dark Phoenix, uh, which I didn't see. I, I, I succumbed to the pressure of, like, it, it sucked and I didn't watch it. <laughs> but, I mean, so she's in the Marvel Universe. Oh, well, hey. And because last week and this week we had an age issue, I had to look it up. And in this movie she was 21 at the time. Oh, so we'll get into that. The tagline, so, but she plays a seventeen-year-old. I think we assume I think she's younger. seventeen. I think younger. We'll get into it. It's gross. Okay, but it's tagline. <laughs> um, how would you tagline this movie? Like, would you would you go the traditional route? Um, did you look up taglines? I did not. No, I always like it because when you read them, I'm surprised. All right. Well, the tagline on the box of the DVD, which I own, is "Killer Hand." Oh God! But there's an alternate tagline. That that I don't like that word. I know it, it looks good on the box. The way it's like the killer with a mask and he's holding cards and it's right, got the characters' like faces on. Poker match. Yeah, it, it's very misleading. It is, which is why I almost didn't run it. But the second tagline is, "How do you catch a killer when he's holding all the cards?" <laughs> <laughs> don't like I know. That one it's fucking shitty. <laughs> like they went with the easy stuff. But I, I guess, you know, with the cover, that's marketing. See, that's marketing. That's not the filmmakers. That's a marketing douchebag who's like, oh, let's do a card thing. Uh, it's an hour and 44 minutes. Well, it is called Poker Night. No budget info. It, it has an alternate title called Joker, which I thought was interesting. Uh, no budget info. And the uh, box office, total box office draw, $7,457. 
you, you in the U.S. Total in the world. That's what I found. It in probably wasn't world, released in where many. Your movie only makes seven thousand five hundred dollars. Um, with, with most Ron Perlman. With most of your movies, we talk about the awards it's won. This movie did not win any awards. Well, did did it get into a? Uh, I festival? no, I can't find that it did. Um, it's set in, and I it's it's noted, and I didn't really notice this too much. It's set in Warsaw, Indiana. That's a big part when you research this movie oh God, a little bit. I hope it's not near Delphi. Um, yeah, it, but I it was completely filmed, obsessed with the Delphi murders. It was filmed in Victoria, British Columbia, so it wasn't filmed in Indiana, but it's set in Indiana, and that's a, a, well, they never mentioned it. Doesn't right? They Did never I miss something? Where they're at that I recall? Yeah. So you know, the movie opens with um, our 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 lead Stan leaving a house and assumed it's that. The poker game that we see for the bulk of the movie, correct? Isn't he laying on the ground all bloody? Well, yeah, he's laying on the. Oh, that's right. He's laying on the ground all bloody, which is close that's to the end. The yeah. voiceover, um, and there's a lot of voiceover in this movie, and you don't typically like voiceover. I, I don't, but I did in this one, especially early on. What was it about the voiceover that you liked? I don't know. It was just. It wasn't so much where it was exposition, even though voiceover is. It's just it's just the way it was narrated. It just kind of, you know, it's a cop movie, and right. you know, you got your drag that narration going on, and you know, it just I don't know, it worked. Yeah, it didn't annoy I agree. me. Yeah. I agree, it, but I, I did not like this actor. I think <laughs> he's he was best in voiceover, and when he's like stress or hurt acting, you know, when he's like, Argh! but so then well, he it, gets a lot of that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he Jesus. gets hurt a lot. Um, it cuts to him leaving a house with Ron Perlman after a, you you don't really know why they're leaving, but what I noticed is Ron Perlman calls him a hero and calls him a wet nosed SOB political appointee. So they're kind of teeing up because he's very young. Yeah. And that's the whole tone of this is that he's he did something heroic, and because of it, he's been promoted to detective. With all these grizzled But he seems like veterans. a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. And that's just the actor, maybe. I mean, he looks like a 12-year-old boy. Especially when he's in uniform. Exactly. You know, when he's in his So he looks like a rookie. Clothes, like, he is not... like. So if you're a rookie, and you solve accidentally, which we'll get to, a really big case or something, do they just promote you to detective? <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a few uh, leaps of reality in here. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> what I did note is Ron Perlman is the best at being just a bitter, you know, like when he says fuck you to him at the beginning, ah, fuck you. He's just worn. You said grizzled. He's just the best at it. Yeah. But he's so affable. Yeah, and then he put that little diamond stud earring in his left oh, ear. Oh, the L. Oh, I want to talk tiny, about the earring for four years. God. Then it, it's a I hoop. That was a, a it's a hoop in choice. a previous. The earring is such a fucked up choice. I never saw the hoop. There's a hoop. He changed his earring yeah, out yeah, throughout. Yeah, I, I have a note. <laughs> Perlman's earring. Please only discuss. You, only you would pick. See that stuff. <laughs> God Almighty. So again, we learn later that they're leaving this poker game, but Stan decides to take a domestic disturbance call, which is interesting. Yeah. So he's drunk. Well, you assume that, you know, they were on a social visit, and he thinks about taking the call, but he takes it. Yeah. Which well, is, in the narration, he says, you know, 
His judgment was yeah. impaired. He yeah. had too much to, he had too much to drink at the poker game. And so you're as an audience member like why are you doing this? Yeah, why is he even on duty? <laughs> well, I don't think he is. That's the thing. He responds to the call, but it, and again, people can write us in a uh, little independent podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're a, a, a police officer, is are you able to take a call if you're off duty? And, and drunk. If, and, and you shouldn't. <laughs> That's just a judgment call. But he takes a call and he's driving to this call. And as he's driving to this call, across the street runs a disheveled woman in distress. Like in a handmade tarp. Like a Rambo tarp, Rambo one. That's deep. Yeah. Yes. He, he but warms it... himself with a tarp, but doesn't cover his arms. Yeah. <laughs> the tarp from First Blood. That's right. Is used in this movie. So this Warned distracts him. So one must wonder what happened to that domestic disturbance call. So fuck those people. I guess they can beat each other up. Well, turns out we find out later. I mean, he knows knows the gal by name. So he stops the car and he goes off into the side going what what happened to this girl and he he says her name right yeah. amy yeah and he gets tased this movie is like sales for tasers <laughs> because <laughs> tasers are so effective in this movie yeah. if you're gonna be a villain or a weirdo um go ahead and taser he, for you and he does it in the neck he and tases then boom, them the they're neck. unconscious. So that would be uh, there's some YouTube videos to try and find out. Yeah, if, I mean if that actually. I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would suck getting tased in the neck. Yeah, but do you go unconscious? I don't know. Again, write us in, um, or we could do a jackass thing, and our next podcast we try it on each other. Uh, no, that's a great <laughs> idea. So, and then she, somebody, this assailant. You know, clips a chain to her neck. Now, what we find out... He electrocutes her, too. Yeah. Like, she has a dog Dazes collar her. or some shit on her. <laughs> and so, what we find out later is this was all a snare to get Stan, to get him abducted. Now, did the killer... Let's just call him the killer. The man. How did... Did he release her on purpose? How did he know that Stan would be driving along that road? Well, you know when you're driving along the highway and you see the deer crossing sign? He set it up where there was an Amy crossing sign. <laughs> and then as the car comes, she runs across the road. Yeah. Like, run. Yeah. yeah maybe. Let her out of a cage this, like in so Does he have a police scanner? So, okay, fine. <laughs> but, again, it, it seems like kind of a long shot. But in some of his voiceover, he mentioned that the reason why he's a hero is because he brought down Terrence Albee. So they're kind of starting to build this thing. Now, I get that there's time jumps, but right now, you see the first scene, you maybe think this is later in the movie, but now it's linear for now. Yeah. He's leaving a thing. He goes to a domestic disturbance call. He is distracted from that, and yeah. he's captured. There hasn't been a flashback. It's it's live at this point, yeah. And so then it goes back. It does go back to the to the poker game at this point, and it's them all arriving. It's the the as you said, the veterans, the grizzled veterans, which I think is kind of cool because in one of his voiceovers, he talks about this town and how they actively in the police force go after these legends in kind of their golden years. And they like live out their last few remaining years on the force. Right. 
like cleaning shit up and just being badass. Well, in training, training the new, training the, the new, new bloods yeah. that are coming into this growing town is how they describe it. Which I think is kind of a neat. Yeah, that's kind of a neat thing and and smart. So you, you it's, municipalities it's like baseball, out there, you know, you always got to have a few veterans on the team for the go. for the young. Don't Cubs. push them so aside. I'm thinking he, you know, he's a baseball fan, the writer, and probably was never a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they wouldn't let Ron Perlman wear that hoop earring when he was directing anybody. Well, like, some of Salem could rip that right out of here. Some ear, of the dude. stuff that goes on around the poker table, they could totally, that's, you know, I have spent some time with some uh, off duty police, you know, in my previous jobs and stuff. And that, Ooh, a lot of that is. Do tell. The, talk that way you know oh, is there's it, a lot so this is accurate some of it is yeah the the way they you know the fuck you stuff you know yeah. there's not there's not a lot of, and it's a lot of like you want me to put on a dress yeah. you want to put on a dress put on a dress so this and misogynist if a, and if stuff. one of them had ever said give me a kiss they would never live it down oh, okay. even though it was like the greatest ruse of all time i mean that that <laughs> that, that plays oh uh, that's a good story um so <laughs> what i noticed about the poker night was it's a bunch of you know veteran detectives they're they're bringing this you know stan in he's new but there's some resentment and right away with maxwell who we find out later is important and stan have beef they have tension right away like he says maxwell says i wouldn't if if it were up to me you wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. why is that will we find out later do you think do you think he knows about him and the daughter the daughter at this point was she's she's already been kidnapped right so how does why is Maxwell upset with Stan? Because it, it ostensibly is because he's dating his yeah he knows you know, about it thirteen year old daughter essentially thirteen <laughs> she's young he's, it's he's gross. seventeen <laughs> that girl is Do not they, 13. they don't say it you know, and she's twenty one in the movie she says I'm almost an adult yeah it's still gross Stan maybe that's why I don't like this character because he questionable choices well, could it be that you're relating to Nope. Family life and, and somebody nope. entering in, getting close to entering into the dating realm? That's not correct. <laughs> Is it a little self-reflection? Thank you, COVID. <laughs> You're never leaving the that's house. That's right. <laughs> you, it's you can, the law. You can date on Zoom and I'm going to be right behind your shoulder. Just oh, mean mugging you, motherfucker. Oh, you have so I raised three girls, Ryan. You'll make it I through. I know. I know. And I can tell you, you did it. it sucks. <laughs> so um the dating what, what I noticed about the poker night is on the kitchen table, they've got a pretty nice little oh, d- yeah. display of snacks. It's like coming over to my house when you when you do. You know, I, I treat you right. I get some gherkins, <laughs> I get some mixed nuts, there's some cheeses. Yeah. You you go above and beyond. You're... There's maybe some sausages, different varieties. <laughs> Variety. I'm here. I'm here for you. But in this, I, I didn't. You didn't expect that. You expected a pile of like broken yeah. up Doritos and a bag of Ruffles. I did expect a cigar. I don't think we had a cigar. True. Nobody had a stogie. But a lot of people smoked. I think like four of of the detectives all smoked cigarettes, yeah. which was weird to see in 2014. So what? They start to do, and, and a part of this movie that I love is the flashbacks. And so they start with Cunningham's flashback, the long blonde guy. And what I got this time that I didn't get last time was there's a lesson to be learned from each of the flashbacks that applies to Stan's situation that he's in after the poker game. Yeah. And I didn't get them all, so I'm going to have to ask you about your thoughts. Yeah, and 
there might be one of them where there really wasn't, or I didn't notice one stand out because it's a I had a couple match. of questions. It goes from the poker game to the real life kidnapping, but back Cunningham's to the, poker game, to the you know the story. His flashback is about a guy he's after who killed two police officers. They can't find the bodies, and he knows who this is, and, and he's on it too long. And they tell him that you're you're done. We're not doing overtime. And he does something really clever, and he goes to the bar where this suspect is. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed in the bar, because I clocked this in movies, because I know they're not drinking real booze, but the whiskey looked like apple juice. It was real light. Because <laughs> I think typically they'd get, like, you know, iced tea or something dark. This looked real light. Yeah. And they're not obviously drinking booze. And he says, and I probably won't go, I don't think we should go into too much detail on each flashback, but this one... The suspect says, why are you so happy? And he's like, you know what? I'm a cop. I've been after this guy forever. I know where he's buried these bodies. And then he pieces out and he watches this suspect freak out, go to where these bodies are buried to ostensibly maybe dig them up to move them. And that's how he captures this, this suspect, which I thought was really clever. Yeah. And this is the one flashback that you don't have Stan in. That's why I really like the other flashbacks, because they put Stan in the flashback as the character, and then the character as themselves at the time, Yep, which was kind of cool. So what I got was, be smart, be clever, try to outwit the suspect. Yeah, and, and Perlman makes the comment about, you know, that comes from being a veteran and years, years yeah. of experience, you can't teach that shit. Exactly. You know, all that kind of thing. And this whole movie is like the Canterbury Tales by Chaucer, <laughs> if you think about it. Well, I, right? I can't it's just because a, I don't <laughs> I don't know that. I just don't you can pretend I won't call you out on that. You know, it, it's the idea of somebody traveling along the road and other people are telling their stories and you're getting something from it. It's kind of a classic tale. All right, that was a, that's for all you nerds out there, I guess. Who <laughs> <Nerds>. just nerds. <laughs> Thank you, ogre. Ogre. So, um then we see the fact that you know, they're kind of ribbing this guy. You're not going to win a hand. And we find out that Ron Perlman's character, Calabrese, saves Stan's life. Yeah. And they call him lieutenant. So he's like the ranking. He is the ranking They all officer. report to him. Right, yeah. right, right. That's that's a good point. Yeah. But he, they're still equal. You know what I mean? It's There's reverence, yeah, it's, but it's camaraderie. It's his team. Yeah. Yeah, it's Perlman's team. And um, I, what I liked about that is you see, you know, it's a shootout and – Perlman's character, you know, just pulls him out of the way of a bullet. And in, at, at the after party, I guess it's the shootout after party. In a bar. In a bar. Stan says, thank you. And, and Perlman, and I don't have the exact, but he said, don't thank me, just be better. Yeah. Well, he says, fuck you first. Which, of now, course that's total cop. You know, somebody like, yeah. oh, fuck nah, you. Fuck you. Yeah. Get, get an address. <laughs> but he says, be better. And be better for the next person to teach them. Yeah, so this learn is the whole from thing. what I what I did and and save the next yeah. guy's life. That's how you thank me. And it, it just you know and this is that's where the earring was I think in that flashback when he saves him he's the wearing hoop? like a hoop earring. Was it, if I'm wrong, like a like a big giant, pretty big. Yeah, I, you again, can't see me, but I'm making up a big circle. Perlman's <laughs> earring. Because <laughs> I didn't notice the diamond stud you talked about. No, that's what I thought he wore through the whole movie. But I never saw cow. a hoop. So now we meet, now we go back to Stan, who's abducted. He's tied to a chair, and there is a 
I want to say killer. There's a an abductor. Yeah, with the craziest mask. So, okay, what are your thoughts on the mask? I love that mask. And the way the actor used the mask, if you watch, it was weird. It kept standing out to me, but he would hold his mouth open inside the mask, creating this effect with the mask to make the mouth open and shut. Yeah. So you, when you see the profile, you would see the actor's mouth wide open uh-huh. when he's not talking. Yeah. <laughs> to make the mask like form a certain way, and it was, it was. I thought he played that really. It was awesome. I agree, and and it, it's it's got to be that actor inside, right? It's not one of those like, you know, a stunt. I man hope or so. I, it has know. to be. Although I, you know, after Into the Forest, you know, I just want to beat the shit out. No, of No, he's a creepy motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, this role, like. This role's like the creepiest ever. Yeah. And then now that you did that. So the mask felt really reptilian to me. It had this, I, I couldn't tell Ooh. what he made it out of. The Star Trek, those green things in Star Trek. Yeah. That's what you're thinking. There's a name for them. They, they, oh, you, oh, you mean the Land Gar- of the Lost, Sleestacks? That it it just has this look to it. It's homemade. Yeah. And it's sewn in the mouth. It looks like it's skin to me. Like well, some type of hide. I I was thinking the same thing. That's where reptilian came. So I'd love to know more about the production design. Like, how'd they come up with the mask? I can't find anything about it. And he's got more than one. I agree with you. Yes, he does. <laughs> we'll find out later. And the second one looks identical to the first one, although the body type isn't the same. But I, I love the mask. And this is where the movie, you know, it went from normal fare to really fun for me is the killer's flashback when he talked about his purpose and it's the the music that they play when he's in his suit and he's wearing the mask when he's in his daily he's a normal sharp dressed guy thin guy with a vest and a a tie and he goes he's he's telling stan why he is what he is and he said he was a guy who had a nine to five and in the flashback, he's wearing the mask, which yeah. makes it so ridiculous. A skinny tie, just, you know. And, and he's doo-doo, leaving doo-doo, his house, and he's waving to his yeah. family and with this, this horrible mask. This ridiculous, upbeat music. And he realizes that, you know, he wants something else. And most people want something else. They're going to, you know, try their passionate music or whatever. <laughs> but you honed in on goals because he said he you need goals, and maybe he felt aimless. But his goals go from zero to insane really fast. But he decides that he has two goals. He writes them down, yep. puts them on a piece of paper. I'm not going to say what they are because they're horrible. This is his purpose in life. This is what he wants out of life, which is really one goal. It's really well, just, just number one. There's one goal, and goal number two is kill anybody who gets in my way of no- goal number one. Yeah. Goal number one is awful. But what I think is interesting is – they make a point to show that he murders his family and sets his house on fire. Yep. How does he not get caught for that? How is he not the number one suspect well, in his family's murder? Because he apparently disappears, but they do portray him as being brilliant. So He does know how to disappear well. Yeah. But it, that just kind of got me. I noted like, okay, that's a little bit of an issue. He would be the prime suspect in that crime. Just looking at him, the mustache everything like the haircut you did it (laughs) you did it but that's fine and then we kind of cut back to stan in captivity and we find that he's captured with another person who is essentially the female that you saw in the beginning and it's amy who is somebody stan knows yeah yeah and there was that scene too with perlman 
interrogating Stan as a new detective, wanting to know if there's anything between him and Amy. Right. And you don't know who Amy is at this point, but it's clear yeah. that she's a minor. Yeah. And Stan is kind of, this is the problem I have with this movie, <laughs> is she breaks out of her house or sneaks out of her house. Yeah. And he drives her around. Now, it's nothing lascivious. It's nothing gross. Yeah. But she is making advances on him. Brian, I'm sorry to be the one to break this to you, but teenage girls, 15, 16, 17-year-old girls, will climb out a window to go meet a boy uh, while mom and dad are sleeping. That's a bunch of horse shit. Nobody does that anymore. They, they, uh... But Stan Stan <laughs> should shut this shit down, especially if he knows that it's Maxwell's daughter. Why would you... That's a flaw in that character. And a lot of the negative he, reviews are about get, the fact... He tries. And again, she he, tries he to kiss on him, and he does not respond. Yeah, he, he and he says, you're not an adult. And she says, I'm almost he an adult. He should not be with her at all. <laughs> But again, he's 12. I think he's younger than her. So fuck it. That, he shouldn't be driving. She should. But um, he, he, He's in a, a police uniform on, on a, at, a, at, a, at a scene. But he, he, he willingly, yeah, okay. I, you know, I'm not on a moral high horse, but it, it's gross to me. <laughs> and so what I noted is there's a lot of neat. She, she's a little Lou Devine. She is. Again, actress was 21 at the time. But they cut back to um, the killer keeps on, you know, stabbing him in the neck with the knockout juice. Yeah, whatever the hell. He wakes up with a bandage on his arm. And what's happened is the killer has tattooed Amy's wanted poster portrait on his arm. Another question. (laughs) That tattoo is done really well. Is the killer a tattoo artist? Also, because it's a well done tattoo. Well, he's a he's the Joker of criminals, right? <laughs> and 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 it's a fucked up thing to do. I mean, this guy is really, yeah. and we find out why he's messing with Stan, uh-huh. but he just keeps. Well, it, it's and he keeps setting him up for this fall that happens, and it's so great. So this ties into where he tells him later on when he does that great line. He says, "You and I are very much the same." Right, because. This girl's a minor. Exactly. And he's now got a permanent record of it on his arm. He's really fucking with him. It is. It's, again, but the logistics of it, okay, maybe this guy in the time of his, you know, making a mentor, maybe the mentor's like, hey, get some tattoo skills just in case it comes into play. Maybe? I don't know. He's an art. He might have been an artist since childhood. Who knows? That's good. Okay, let's go with that. He's a tattoo artist as well. So one thing he tried, he failed. Then he had to get a day job working at an insurance company, got married, did the kids, f- then killed them, burned their house down. Or the kids came and he had to go get the day yeah. job. Yeah. All right. So I guess now we feel sorry for this guy? No. <laughs> no, I'd be the first one to shoot him. So it's they go back to the poker game. And it's clear that Bosch, Maxwell, who we know, find out later is the father of Amy, something's up. Because he says his wife left him. We don't know what it is. We found out later it's because his daughter's abducted. But he's have, he's dealing with this yeah. as this is all. So he still goes to poker night, and he's got something he can't share with his fellow officers. And I wonder why. You know, why? Because there's wanted, there, there's missing posters of her. You would think 
Well, do you think other, everybody knows that the, she's oh, missing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because so everybody they, in the room there's knows. A, there's a line where they say, hey, is, you doing okay? Is everything under control? He's like, he's like, yeah, every, everybody, everything's under control right now. Let's play some fucking cards right. or whatever. He, it was like his moment of break. Like, you know, everything's being done for the case that can be done and okay. searching for her. And he's yeah. just taking his time out to do so the like poker his, night. So like just his wife has left, yeah. they broke yeah, in. Yeah, there's and... all, all the other detectives know. Okay. There's no way. They're all probably involved in helping. Because it seemed kind of secret. In a way, and I thought, I wonder if he hasn't told anybody. But again, there's a no. a missing poster, so you have to think that everybody. Yeah, no, there. I didn't. I didn't take that. Take that to mean that they, you know, didn't know. So I noted that the killer, when he pulls back into his house, drives a Mercedes. Yeah, it's done pretty well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> In the time that ostensibly he what? murdered his family and burned his house down, where where's what the is money his coming revenue from? Been? Yeah, yeah. What's where? his revenue stream? Yeah, I, I, if he's pursuing his one goal, there's not a lot of money in that, obviously. So, and and the house is, I, I mean, if it's in rural Indiana, it's it's not a big house. So maybe just you know, maybe it's not a newer Mercedes, but it's a Mercedes. Yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, that that part is a mystery. Yeah, you're, just, you're like, what the fuck? And he's well dressed, but you know, I, I I enjoy his style. Yeah, good horrible mask again. It, What's the income? Well, Amy does say he leaves during the day, you know, for a while so and comes back. So he have goes a and does job something. He go he goes somewhere. He does, does go somewhere. So Stan, his first escape attempt, which doesn't work. No, hey, boy, does he pay for it. But he, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> but he he gets himself out, which it seemed logical. Like it seemed like he could physically do that. And sometimes in these movies. When they get out of a, a jam, it's like ah, yeah. oh, but he he breaks one of so, the chair arms and yeah, he he's in a chair and he's and his hands are are tied with heavy rope to the arms, his feet are tied, and so he's having the flashbacks of like don't give up, don't give up, you right. know, from the veterans at the table, and then he just starts yeah, because he has rocking. the sum total of their stories and yeah. their knowledge yeah, in his head. Two stories at this, point. at this point, I think all of them. They haven't done all the stories yet. Yeah, but that's in a flashback. Like he leaves that night having heard all those stories. Right, but when I mean when they show him in the movie, it's oh you as the it's watcher. Ba- it's yeah. like a tennis match. Yeah, yeah. But so he, you know, keeps rocking the chair back and forth and is able to pull the uh, the wood screws out of the floor um, that are holding the chair down and and get free that way. Yeah. And um, what I noticed was into the to the killer's point. When he wrestles him down, he seems to have a knowledge of anatomy because he punches. And you know more about this than I do because you're martial arts. But he, it feels like he breaks bones and he hits certain pressure points. He's like bah bah bah, like a Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah, he he was. Well, he did break. It looked. It looked like his arm wasn't. It looked like he broke his arm. And that's what I thought too. But his arm isn't broken later on. Right. So, but he he must have done things that were very painful that were incapacitating. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking he has knowledge of anatomy. Again, I think maybe learned from the mentor, which is kind of cool later. And now we get into another flashback. And this is Bernard's flashback. And it's about a young boy who witnessed his parents' murder at the behest of somebody who had a baseball bat. And this one got me. (laughs) Because this is the first flashback. And and stylistically, and, and hopefully we can describe this right, is Giancarlo Esposito is sharing the story. 
Now, on the screen, you see Stan, the 12-year-old cop, in Giancarlo's clothes at the time of the... Th- so he is he is Bernard in the story, weaving yeah. through the crime scene. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know. We, there's so many little spiritual moments in this thing. But if if you want to take something like involved in martial arts when you go into a, a higher state of consciousness where everything moves in slow motion... And you know you're able to dispatch your enemies real easily, or or you become when you're practicing your forms. You know you have to feel the enemy attacking you, and you're literally blocking and countering. That's the only thing that makes those rudimental forms, that's interesting. you know, yeah. effective. And that's a you know it's role playing. That's yeah. exactly what he's doing. But to the degree that you role play role play effectively is the degree that you will be effective. So in a spiritual moment could have been Well entering that how, state yeah. of, of being one with, you know, he's becoming um that detective so he can gain his experience. He's becoming, you know, sometimes you have to become the bad guy to think think like him to right. to catch him. And this is one of the one moment that scared the shit out of me in this movie is this kid has been questioned a bunch about the brutal murder of his parents in yeah. their bedroom. Yeah. And they have him outside. Or, or, or no, he brings him again, a minor without a parent present. So there there's the guy, the writer was never so a cop. He, yeah, he says <laughs> I, I I bring I take him on a, a car ride and he brings him back to the house because yeah. he thinks something's up. And the kid looks up into the tree, remember this? Yeah. And he ostensibly sees himself all bloody. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so like in in the story, the kid witnessed this horrible murder, had nothing else to do but retreat into this tree and freak out until the cops came. That's what I thought. And Giancarlo Esposito's character thinks something's up, and he brings him back into the house. He says it's in the eyes. And yeah, and but again, it's Stan in Giancarlo's yeah. outfit. But Giancarlo Esposito, the actor himself at the time, yeah. is also in the flashback, and so cool. Yeah, it is, and it, and it, at that point I just made is when what he's in the back of the doing, car. You know, I don't know. You don't see that in movies very often, if no. ever. You know, it's really creative. That yeah, part. and again, this is where this movie that I didn't expect much from started to keep surprising me. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that gets Ron Perlman in your cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So, um, how many tubes of crazy glue does it take to glue a body to a wall? 34. <laughs> Wrote it down, baby. I'm like, this is a Ryanism right Holy here. Holy shit. Ryan would, would write this down, and I wrote it down. I was ready for you. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, and I'll say, horror movies try to one-up each other with little things. This yeah. was next level fucking bonkers. Yeah, so... This is what he wakes up to because he got the fucking injection in the neck, right? Yeah, you know he, the knockout. He, he got juice. hit by the killer in different areas. I thought his bones were broken. Yeah, he got the. He gets the out. neck shot again, and then wakes up, crazy glued to the fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, off the ground. He's in the. You know, he's like a foot off the ground. It's crazy glued to the wall. So, do you think that's possible to do? Could we get MythBusters on this? Yeah, thirty-four tubes. Yeah, get him on it. I. I because what I thought was funny was they didn't have the ground like littered with tubes, which may have been played for comedy. But he asked the guy the yeah. qu- he asked Stan the question like, "Do you know how many tubes of crazy glue it takes to, to glue a human to a wall?" I know, thirty four. So why crazy glue and not super glue? Because I always think super glue. 
but Crazy Glue is one. Crazy Glue is the is, is the, that the first one. That's the brand. It may have been a licensing thing. Yeah. Super Glue. The Super Glue people were like, "But fuck no, I'm not going to be in this movie. This is horrible." This kid, you know, this 12 year old cop is dating a 15 year old kid. <laughs> this movie's crazy. Let's use Crazy Glue. <laughs> but it's it's really effective, and all you're thinking as a viewer is, "God damn, that must suck." And he's talking to, he gets on a, the killer gets on a box and gets next to his face. And then at one yeah. point I noticed a little thing is the killer mimics his He was in the same pose. On the yeah. wall. And then, but you hear Amy's voice on the other side of the wall. And aren't they, aren't they listening? Isn't he kind of, I thought he, if I remember right, he went up to the wall and was like. It, but he, yeah, he mimics yeah, the, where like, he's at. Oh, what do we hear? Yeah. And it's, it's a She's really a little effective old scene. for me. She's, yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> and you're, you're but com- not for the twelve-year-old cop, apparently. You, you're complaining. Yeah, no, I know that you know the opposite, and I that know. our and our the man. I know. So, and the killer kind of starts to share more of his backstory, which again, yeah, without saying the one thing he probably wants to say, he says, "Well, you know, there's a lot of internet and the research he did, and what the hell is with the creepy clown and the bunny." Yeah, that that's the. Uh, Did he find them in a chat room, and they just helped him along with his murder plans? The, or? The, those are fellow um, constituents in the fellow world weirdos. of his first goal. So he yeah, oh, that's probably it. The clown. Yeah, in the yeah, and okay. you know, you got Gacy's a clown. And Y'all can look up what the first goal is. I'm not going to talk about it. We're not going to. Ryan, talk about Ryan it, can't but, go there. But it that that's good. Thank you, because <laughs> they pop up later, and it, it's it's effectively visually. Yeah. He had very visually. neat printing, though. Did you notice yes, that? Yes, he did. It was <laughs> extremely neat. Well, but I, I with bet his he, character, everything about him was super I clean. bet he wrote it more than once. Super. <laughs> I bet he wrote it a few times. Nah, not going to work. Stick it on the wall of his burning house. But it, it was interesting, to uh, this flashbacks with him trying to figure out what it is. And then he comes to the point where he says, I need a mentor. And it seems reasonable. If you're going to leave your pedestrian life and commit to one horrible thing. Yeah. Well, Think and Grow Rich is as crazy as this freaking sounds. Think and Grow Rich is, is about deciding your one purpose in life, right? The most famous self-help book of all time. Yeah. Finding your one purpose in life, writing it down and all the support things that go with it, the six goals – and burning all your bridges behind you and not giving, you know, that is your sole purpose. You, burning. You're going to do it or you live just... or die. Burn the ship, um, you know. Yeah. So Valhalla. There's, there's no way it. out. Interesting. Yeah. And it literally, that's exactly what he does. But with the sickest fucking goal yeah. ever. Yeah. So what does that mean? And then he's like, I got to make this mask. How many How many attempts? I want. I want to see the like failed attempts at the mask. Let that one go right by him, ladies and gentlemen. He just let that one breeze over his shoulder. What did I let you breeze over? Just now, <laughs> I said you you didn't want to address it. What did I not address? The, this. Wait, wait. Where, where, where? <laughs> the sick. This. The sickest goal. Oh, yeah, ever yeah. being your one purpose in life. Yeah. But it fits with the most successful self. I don't know yeah. if you call that you wouldn't call it a self help, but uh, motivational goal meeting yeah. book of all time. Well, he he definitely. Um, I don't know how he finds his mentor. Do they do they say a Craigslist ad? Uh, no. Do no. they fall in love naturally? <laughs> they meet on a pier. I like to think they met on an Indiana Match. pier. Match dot com. 
So he I finds said that. he <laughs> not finds, a sponsor, not, not a sponsor. <laughs> but we're open, y'all. A little independent podcast at gmail.com. and he 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 finds a mentor. And what I think is interesting is we find the mentor. I think kind of is is the the granddaddy. He does it all. He does murder. He does vivisection. Yeah. He does autopsy. He he does everything. Well, he's and not he's got just, the, and he's got the full mullet. I mean, he looks like. You know, he belongs, like he's an ex con. And so they have an actor who's great at looking like a total crazy dirtbag. Yeah. But then they have the mentor bonding training flashback, and I laughed out loud. It's the music. They're like eating cotton candy and drinking and laughing and and spitting stuff out. Playing this like Calliope circus music. And Benny Hill or something. He has the mask on the same time, uh, the whole time, right? Yeah. His mask doesn't come off until it's pulled off of him. Yeah. And, it's so funny the the way they do this, and I think it's intentional, and I think it works in this movie, a hundred percent. Yeah, to balance with the the horrors of what you've already seen or read. Well, it, you know, there's plenty of comedic stuff. It, there, there is. All the flashbacks with him mm-hmm. are funny. The mentor bonding, they're holding hands and they're yeah, kind of swing like the maybe one rabbit point in the time. Clown outfit are yeah. funny, but it's this. Thin guy in this horrible mask and this serial killer. Yeah. Who looks like what you would picture exactly. a serial killer looking like. Like, uh, he did it. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. That guy did it. <laughs> Forget the lineup. It's him. Then we go back into the into the poker game. And is this when Maxwell gets a call from the killer saying that the killer wants ransom money? Is well, that, that at the poker game? No. Okay, no, that's that would have had to have been after the poker game. So th- then we have Maxwell's flashback. That's what it is. And Maxwell is Titus, or, or um, um, Bosch, and he's got a pretty crazy flashback. And I, I want people to watch the movie just for this Yeah. This flashback, because his they call it like the sexiest one, and it's not what you think. <laughs> And what I noticed is when Stan was back in the flashback, it must have been the 80s because he's wearing like a Miami Vice suit. Yeah. He's got like a bright blue T-shirt and he's got his suit sleeves like rolled up. Yeah. Did you ever do that? He said he might have been wearing a members jet, members only. I might have been. But he's in a suit. Remember in Miami Vice, they would roll their suit sleeves up. Did you ever do that? You no, can I was here. the- Minute here first. The Led Zeppelin- Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Bell-bottom jeans kind of guy. Gotcha. Yeah. Goddamn hippie that they would have hated. <laughs> Try to shake you down for a reefer. <laughs> right. I looked that part, but I actually didn't, you know. I wrote story four, um, three bodies, missing pinky. So it The was pinky this, thief. Yeah, the, they called him the pinky. Who was played... This is a little interesting tidbit. The, the the guy who played the pinky thief in the in the flashback is an actor who's been on a bunch of stuff. He was in a scary movie, Freddy vs. Jason. He was in The Predator. His name's Lachlan Monroe, and he's actually a pretty good character actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff. I remember first seeing it, he wasn't highly billed. I'm like, oh, that dude, that's yeah. pretty cool. Because he plays a guy who abducts. He's creepy as hell. Yes. Yeah. With the glasses on. and it's a weird It's yeah. a weird scene. And Maxwell's way to get out of this this pickle as a young rookie was clever. And I think that's the lesson. You have to be clever. You have to be bold. Think of things that nobody yeah. would think well, of. Well, when you're on your own, you know, yeah. and it's just, just up to you, you gotta, you gotta make your play. Yeah. That's what he says, the Clint Eastwood voice. Yeah. 
but yeah, that guy's just so grizzled and gruff. Yeah. And I think that's when he gets we, we find out that Amy is Maxwell's daughter and he gets the the ransom call. The killer for some reason decides to ask for a ransom. Well, he tells yeah, when I don't know if I wrote down when the call came, but it wasn't during the poker game, so but yeah, it's it, a, it's it around this after. time because they give Maxwell his time. He gets to tell a story, and then it cuts to him. It cuts to the killer. Yeah, I just cut. I just cut the dad at door. Um, bad guy with precious. And when when Did does the killer it? give Amy the phone and says you're free to go? Is that later? That was the call to dad. That was the call to dad. Yeah. So he's oh yeah because he 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 tricks her psychologically and says call your family I don't need you anymore I've got this other guy mm-hmm. she calls and then he drugs her and says ransom and then Maxwell shows up at the drop and a creepy guy holding a dog which does kind of look like Precious from Silence of the That's Lambs I, I didn't wrote. think about I wrote it Precious down and, and oh then my god at our shirts our uniforms and <laughs> you know we don't know anything at this time but it's a guy who's got his hood up he's got a creepy pencil, thin mustache, holding a dog, and Maxwell puts a gun in this dude's face. So is that the first time we see his face? Yes. First time we see his face. So we don't know it's You don't know who he is. Right. But Maxwell puts a gun in this dude's face, like in front of his door, and the guy's like, I didn't know. I was just walking by. And and you're like, oh, dude, this guy's, the cop's unhinged. And he sells it. And he does. Yeah. And this person. Just like Buffalo Bill would. Just like. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Was she a real big fat person? Just like, <laughs> and this person follows Maxwell back to his car, tasers him. <laughs> In the neck. And the, or again, on the back, maybe. It's a I don't great know. commercial for tasers. These things are really effective. <laughs> yeah, we, get, we need to get the brand. Uh. And then what I think is funny is he just drops the dog. So not only is he yeah, steals he take, the dog. And he, unle- he unhooks the cow. He had the, he's holding the dog, and the dog has a. Uh, um, the collar and the leash. Yeah, he unhooks the leash, lets the dog run away, and just throws the leash. Yeah, so he stole a dog. I, yeah, he stole a dog just <laughs> for that. The guy's obviously a well, Kempfer, the serial killer. I just saw his thing in Mindhunter and and his real interview um, a few days ago. He had an IQ of one forty five. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So he was smarter than everybody else that ever wow. came in contact with him, by far. Unbelievable. So there you go. Well, so how would you get off a wall that you're crazy glued to? Uh, the effects of when he's, like, pulling away. <laughs> and, you know, when it's fir- when he first discovers that he's stuck to the wall and he's just screaming out loud because he can't. He's trying to pull his face <laughs> know, off, but he can't. It's so hard to watch. Oh, but he can't do it. So he gets a little help from his... It's good makeup effects, I think. There's not a lot of gore in this movie or anything, but... No, but the sound effect of that skin trying trying to peel off the wall and him screaming. And he eventually peels it off and takes a huge chunk of his cheek off. Well, the man does it. He pulls his head. Oh, he does. Does he want to feel what it's like? He's trying to get him to, to get his level of dedication. Yeah. In the event, so he leaves him there, and then Stan eventually gets free, but not without a great deal yeah, of difficulty. Had, he already had his face loose, and then him and Amy, you know, he gets he musters it out because he's talking to Amy through yeah. the wall, and then he, you know, rips rips himself apart, and he falls to the ground. Or no, he he rips his leg free. 
his right leg free, and then he kicks the water pipe. He hears the water running oh, and the pipe and over his head. Oh, and lets the water run over him, yeah. And then the pipe comes loose and knocks him out. Yeah. And then he wakes up with all the water running down the wall, which has loosened the crazy glue right. enough for him to right. That's insult to injury. Yeah. You know, being crazy glued to the goddamn wall and then knocked out for a bit. Knocked out when you're And then you got to pull yourself. So I wondered. Yeah. And little it, Amy's like, what happened? <laughs> you know, well, let me let me explain this to you. <laughs> well, and he's got a huge face wound at this point. It's yeah. a narrowly, like. Size of a softball. Huge. Yeah. Most of his cheek. So what I, what, what's interesting to this part, and, and this is where all the twists come in. And it, do you think it's too many twists from this point forward? Because there's a bunch. No. I mean, it, it didn't bother you? It loses people. You know, if you're, we're the kind of guys that watch something more than once. Yeah. So if you only watch it once, if you're going to the fridge, if you're coming back, if you're on your phone, if you're doing stuff like that, you're probably not yeah. going to like this movie because you're going to miss a bunch of stuff. Right. You know, you got to, you got to be, so you, you got to be in it. But but I liked it more, aside from not liking the main character too much. But this is where it gets really clever for me. Because Stan is free. He finds a gun. Interesting. Yeah. Kicks, and he kicks, does it, is this where he kicks, he kicks through the wall? He kicks through the wall. He kicks the brick wall, yeah. And it, you know, it's wood and brick and old. And I, I bought that. Yeah. But he finds a gun and he's waiting for the killer to come in which the killer does. Now, here's my question. The killer comes in. Amy is screaming in protest. That This part, this far bothered me. Okay. It didn't make sense. So Stan kills the killer, shoots him. Well, we, he's got the mask on. Yeah, it's the killer. Yeah, he comes through, he comes he through comes the door, through. gun in hand, or no? I don't think he had anything in his hand. He's just there... No, it was the, okay. The gun was the gun. Yeah, yeah. We were motioning. Okay. So Stan kills, shoots, and kills the killer. Yeah. But Amy is freaking out. No, no, no. So screaming do you, hysterically. Do you think she saw the switch? I don't know how she would have possibly known. I didn't. I, that, I wrote that, down that, that part bothered like, me. Why did how, she protest so much? How did she know that it like, was? Like she couldn't her. have Stockholm syndrome at this point in time. She no, was clearly still traumatized by this guy. I took it like that she knew who it was. I I thought so too. So but she, I don't understand how. I I bet the killer showed her. I bet the killer psychologically again to mess with her because what we find out is the person in the mask is not the killer, it's Maxwell Amy's dad who who gets shot to death right in front of Amy because she hasn't been traumatized enough yet. I bet the killer, <laughs> I bet in the she's, killer she's intentionally been, Showed her g- gagging and bounding her dad, putting the thing on, and she knew exactly who it was or, coming in that door. Yeah, I only took it as like, you know, it's his daughter. She's lived with him her whole life. She just recognized his body, you know, because the other guy is really super thin. I mean, I didn't pick up on it until they pulled the mask Maybe I'm off. looking too, too much into it, but now that we're talking it out, because I was perplexed by it, but I think if if from what we know about this killer thus far— he absolutely showed her him dressing her dad in his gear, and she knew exactly who it was coming in, and that's why she was saying no. Yeah, that's and that's messed up. That's what you think he yeah is, is not shown. Yeah. Okay. And so now they go back. And my clip has something to do with this, but it also has to do with finally going back to the 
reason why Stan is a hero. Okay. When you were queuing up your phone a minute ago, I thought for sure you were going to play the clip of the soup, the crazy glue sound. The sound. I have him be peeling I it off the wall. It. I thought, so, I, I, I like, you know, oh, me. you know go, me really well. I did. I thought he's about gonna it. He's going to do it. Because <laughs> I did it with the mouth sounds in, in Skin of the Wolf. Oh. And I thought about it. I really, I swear to God, I did. I didn't do it. Oh, yeah. Um, when you just, were queued it up, I'm like, oh, God, he's doing it. Just because this one, you know, you know, I figured we might, we could go long because of how many yeah. ins and outs. But we're doing well. But um, we finally find out why he's a hero. And he's in a train yard. Do you remember why he's in the train yard? Did he get, does he get a call? Because he's kind of leisurely. Yeah, he was. Point. So he's a patrolman. And he was your, this he got a call because this guy was complaining about his phone bill being like $7,000. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just out walking through and it's we, it's not a train yard, it's a not a ship, sorry, ship shipping container, container yard. yard. Yeah. Sorry. And he's walking through and and it's a beautiful night, you know, full moon and uh so he decides to just climb up on top of the shipping containers and walk along so he can see just the so moon he can better. See the moon, yeah. Yeah. And then and so, but he's tracking. He finds a the phone, phone line. Cord. Yeah, I didn't know if that was a no, 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 no. Clip. Okay, he's tracking a phone line, which is interesting. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but well, it does. It was a landline that that they plugged into somewhere. Yeah, you know, and we're just feeding off of the phone bill there. You know? So he falls into, or he 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 get, he lowers himself into a shipping container. Yeah, there was a hole cut in the roof of that one. That I did. He smell something at that time, or did he smell something when he's in it? I don't know that he ever saw. Did they address the smell? Because they were all wrapped in plastic bags. So. Uh, that's true. He I lowers himself into a a slaughterhouse of wrapped up human bodies. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, and he puts his flashlight on and sees a multitude of bodies. Yeah, and it just so happens that the timing is such that this container is opened, and you hear somebody say something. Like, this is good, this is good. And it's in my clip. This is good, this is good. And as a rookie, like, kind of not looking, he just shoots and kills a person. Who we later find out is the serial killer that he mentioned. Um, what's it? Terrence Alby. Yeah. So which, a renowned serial is, killer who's been Which is who he's large. famous for. And, yeah, and, yeah, and the irony of part of it, which I guess we'll... Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. But so all you know is that he accidentally killed this renowned serial killer people have been after. And so this is his kind of monologue after that. Um, Because I think it's kind of, you know, it's profound about when you talk to policemen and you know this, how rare it is to, to, you know, use your weapon, discharge it. It's rare. You could go through an entire career without discharging a weapon and that's a big deal right because anytime you shoot there's paperwork involved like if there's an investigation yeah yeah and they show uh, a few times that he does it but this is his monologue little Jimmy Hendrix
Terrence Alby. I just shot Terrence Alby. Never had fired a gun at a person until then. And I killed him. They called me a hero. They made me a detective. But I really had nothing to do with it. I was just lucky. I wanted to see the moon. Three times I pulled my gun. But I had never, ever shot and killed an innocent man. So he says, uh, get to the mic. He says, innocent man and never shot and killed an innocent man. Yeah. So he's reflecting on the fact that he's fired at two people and killed them both. One was not innocent. One was Maxwell. No, no, the first two times he discharged his gun were accidental. One, one he's shooting at the ground. It goes off when he's on a yeah on a stop. Yeah. It was the first time he shot an actual person. Yeah, he says innocent person, which leads into the the fact that all those bodies were not yeah the men not not the men because he said well no he said I killed Terrence Alby yeah but but the man our kidnapper the masked man is the one who the killed one all saying, those bodies I. I, I he was. He says later yeah. on, he was showing him off to the his mentor. The mentor saying, "Very good, yeah. very good." That's and the you mentor. You took that from me. Yeah. So I Little think John that's Wick for you. Kind of interesting. <laughs> and so it turns out that he has killed this infamous serial killer, who they think. Yeah. And he becomes a hero and gets promoted. It'd to It'd be detective. like shooting Ted Bundy after the Gainesville, exactly, or after the exactly. What college was it? It wasn't Gainesville. It was... Uh, oh, Florida State? Florida State is... I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, true crime people, we're sorry. Yeah, and I'm I'm a true crime person. We're, you I know, like it, we're, but... we're, we're not experts. We're lovers of, of movies and <laughs> things. So, yeah, wherever... wherever. You're... So, Ron Perlman, in our biggest Silence of the Lambs crossover, Ron Perlman shows up at the killer's house a la Clary Starling. Did you think that? No. Yeah, he shows up at the killer. He don't. He doesn't know. I don't know how he gets there, but he's he's canvassing the neighborhood, and he shows up at the killer's house. Yeah. And the I killer... guess I thought of it more when he was carrying the poodle, and. Uh... No, Ron Perlman shows up like yeah, we're just doing a couple of uh, you know, we're we're canvassing the neighborhood, and I think, then Ron Perlman gets suspicious and he asks to come in, and what I think is kind of interesting is the killer asks, hey, do you have a partner in the car? Yeah, because he wants to know how much coffee to make. Yeah, that that was really clever, right? <laughs> nope, it's just me. Well, he says why. Yeah, I just want to know how much coffee to make if I give you coffee. Yeah. So, but you as the as the audience know, and Ron Perlman gets suspicious immediately. Yeah. And discovers this guy's weird den of TVs and what have you. Now, Ron Perlman shoots the killer. And you learn this from Zombieland. Double tap. Isn't that a thing? Like, make sure they're down. Because he shoots the killer, and then Ron Perlman ends up going down into the dungeon, finds Stan, and is like, oh, God, we're going to get you out of here, buddy. Killer's not dead. Yeah, and he tells him, uh, Stan's like, what did you stop him with or, or wanted to ask him that? And when he, as soon as he does, a bullet goes right through Ron's Perlman's. From the back. From the back. That's effective. Just like in, uh, was it Wanted? What's the one with um, McAvoy? 
wanted. Uh, and, with the stupid curved bullet, I still haven't come. Yeah, around but in that's that movie. that's how it. That, I, that's the same scene with um, when Morgan Freeman gets taken out yeah. by McAvoy. It's it looks it's just effective. like that. It's really effective. Yeah, and you're like, oh shit, and so yeah, Ron Perlman is shot. There's a, a kind of like that weird scene where where. Stan is envisioning being at the poker table. He wins a hand. He's still tied to the chair. So it's maybe him just kind of hallucinating or having this like dramatic moment at the end. Well, it's like a consultation from all the real time from from the dead and un, and the ones that aren't that yeah. didn't get killed. It's yeah. like they're all consulting him in his head. Yeah. You know, because it's such a desperate moment. So Stan ends up getting a gun. Which is a brilliant part of this whole thing. He leaves the gun on the step. Yeah, the killer leaves the gun on the step, fleeing. Yeah. Stan grabs the gun to pursue. The police are already he, there. He told him he had a he was now a mentor, and his protege was yeah. showing up. Oh, we should say what what happened was that Stan killed the killer's mentor. That's why the killer is doing all this. Yeah, and that's why he called him an innocent man. Yeah, what the Tilly? What he said his name was. Uh, see, I just said it. <laughs> Lawrence Albee? Albee, that's it. Terrence Albee. Sorry. When he killed, yeah. that That's why he was an innocent man, because all those bodies man. were not his. I mean, he no, did a whole bunch of bad shit. But he's they, not innocent. But all those bodies that were hanging in that, in that, uh, Interesting. were the, were the work of the man. The man the so man. that's the main motivation of the killer, is that Stan killed his mentor, which I think is a fun, not fun, but a cool premise. And it took him the whole movie to figure it out, and he kind of chastised him for that. Yeah, like, yeah, dumbass, yeah. Dumbass, I thought you'd have figured this out and earlier. And he does poke, the killer does poke at him. And Stan emerges from the house with a gun that he cannot drop. And why is that? Yeah, we find out. This guy loves crazy glue. The, that he has an uns... <laughs> he, like, Amazon is sold out of crazy glue because this guy bought all the, every case. So Stan's got a gun that is crazy glue to his hand that he can't drop. The police officers, seeing him covered with blood, and maybe somebody spotted the Amy tattoo on his arm, shoot him, <laughs> thinking he is the suspect. And down he goes. Which and, is the first shot of the movie. Is yeah, seen. and and uh, cut to Ron Perlman's body being handcuffed where the masked man was, where the bad guy was. Yeah. So he did a little switcheroo, went out the back door. Yeah. And poor Stan ends up in jail. He ends up in jail. And you think because, that's the end of the movie. Because Amy is in a coma. It fades to black. Like, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And then it restarts. And we find out Amy's in a coma, and that's his only alibi. Yeah. And when she wakes up, then they let she him out. She finally starts to say, he didn't do it. It was this other person. Yeah. Which I think the stop start at the end was kind of cool. Like, if it ended with Stan, do you think that's rewrites or reshoots? Do you think it really ended with Stan in prison and that's it? And then test audiences or somebody was like, uh, we need a happier ending. You said it made $7,500 in the theater. In the theater. I purchased so it for $2 you think from time Family for Video. reshoots on this with Ron, with that cast? Well, they don't need any of those people. For the ending. They, just, right. need they just need Stan, the lead actor. And Stan and Amy. So I like the end because the end kind of mirrors Cunningham's journey because it's like this obsessive. So Stan gets out of prison. 
He's reinstated, and he is pursuing this killer. Yeah, we and and all that's a you know a jump from reality. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you know, that's true. You, you just got to take that leap with him. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> but I I like the ending. But now that you said that, when it you know when they went to black, if it had ended there, that would have been satisfying too. I agree because I it would have been like, agree. you know that. But he, it's like he he wanted to drive home his point. Yeah, that there are we there's sometimes they're smarter than us, but we don't talk about them. Yeah, or we uh, we just pretend they don't exist. Is what yeah. he said, and it ends with Stan at at at. The poker game with the surviving members of the uh, uh, Scrooge crew and a new person. And then you see bits of Stan pursuing this killer and a shot of him shooting the killer. And I don't know if it's too much or not enough, but you notice that the killer has a gun glued to his hand and it's not. It, he raises the mask and it's not and it's the not guy. him. And he doesn't say a thing. But because Stan, we just don't talk about Stan those. doesn't know what the killer looks like. So the only reason he knows he may have not gotten the right oh, guy. I didn't take that at all. He never saw that guy's face. He never saw the killer's face. That's I took it away that because the movie literally ends with um the one I don't remember his name, but the one grizzled veteran saying, Um, we just pretend they don't exist. Yeah. So he pulls a mask away and sees he got the wrong guy. It's just like well, I don't think I think he knows he got the wrong guy, but not yeah. because of the face, because of the glued gun in the hand. Because I don't think Stan. Well, then why show the face? I don't think Stan. Just so so we, we know. We know. Yeah, we're dumb. Like, oh, audience. <laughs> well, that's that's the only way we would have known. But I don't. No, I didn't pick that up. That he never saw. I don't think he ever did. Oh man, you're gonna make me watch it again. He was he he just saw him in the mask every single time. The only time we unless the killer had his mask off at some point walking around the dungeon. No, I, I, I every mean, interaction in with movie. Stan is with the mask on. He never sees him with the hand, with the mask off. So why even look at the face? I think the key is the gun is glued to the hand. Yeah, and it's the same. This guy's mo gluing guns to hands. Like you're you're right. So they get shot. Just track all the. All the crazy glue sales in in <laughs> that state, and you got your fucking guy. Yeah. Well, um, and it's 2014, so you could do that. Then it's not like it's you know, yeah, 1980. Um, again, I had some problems with it logically, but it was fun to talk through this with you. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed watching it again. I, I think it's clever, and the flashbacks make it pop. The actors make it pop, except for the lead actor. I th- still think sucks. <laughs> there's a lot to appreciate. Yeah, for it, sure. And there, it, I thought it was unique. There's original. a lot of clever, unique writing in it. Yeah. So as we do, I have. <laughs> um, we'll end with a little um, time for reviews. Some reviews. I have a, a negative one and a positive one. <laughs> Just like a battery. This is. You know what's funny is. I I way more enjoy reading the reviews for your movies than mine because yeah you don't care as much maybe <laughs> let's see how spiritual you really are <laughs> <laughs> but when let's, let's see if you can I will tell you I work just as hard to find crazy bad reviews for my movies as yours okay but it's just more fun when it's yours because you put a little more oomph in them than <laughs> <laughs> so but um 
I'm going to say that the bad review does kind of support what I'm saying. Okay. So uh, this is from imdb.com. It's a one out of 10, and it's titled, The Main Character is Dumber Than a Bag of Hammers. (laughs) (laughs) Initially, it was promising, but slowly and surely, it made my blood boil like lava. My teeth are well-ground stumps, and I'm here writing this review at 3.15 a.m. when I should be in bed. Only to save others from experiencing this utter, utter pile of drivel. I held on to the end, stupidly. I think me and my friends suffered more than all the murder victims in this by watching the entire thing. (laughs) The main character is at the core of all my rage. He was so unbelievably dumb that he'd that he'd be beaten by a cow that had has suffered a shotgun blast to the head in a game of knots and crosses, yet the writer wants us to believe that somehow, thanks to his fairy godmother, he made detective. <laughs> now, again, I apologize for my ignorance. Is this a Brit- knots and crosses? I didn't look this up. Is that a British thing? I don't know. Um, so, again, he'd be beaten by a cow that has suffered a shotgun blast to the head in this game. The only way this prepubescent cop would make detective is if he won his badge in a police raffle, but even then I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't read the numbers on his ticket. (laughs) If this person was real, he would need carers 24-7 to help him walk in a straight line, let alone tie his shoelaces. Visually, it wasn't bad, and apart from the infuriating lead character, the rest were very good. I don't blame the main actor. Bad writing and casting is to blame here. It's a total waste of a good team because of something so basic. If this was a late 80s film, it would be funny, but in 2014, it's just embarrassing. I actually feel much better now that this is off my chest. It's like this film created a small black slug of negativity inside me, and I desperately needed to spit it out before it grew into a large snake consuming me as I sleep. Ah, night, night. (laughs) Wow. Well, do you see a trend of these negative reviews? Like These are real people, ostensibly. Well, it's... You know, it's triggering stuff, you know, inside of people that are having issues with other things in life, and this is their way of uh, getting it out. All right, and the last one is a 9 out of 10. A wonderful trip down a dark alley. I walked into this film knowing nothing about it and expecting absolutely nothing. It was a wonderful and delicious surprise. Delicious. <laughs> Lately, wifey, wifey and I have been feasting on the first two seasons of Hannibal... <laughs> So slipping into poker night was an extremely snug fit for our current mindset. Oh, is this he, a euphemism he, he for is sex? so creative. Uh... Slipping right in. Its narrative felt very Fight Club. Its presentation in ways reminded me of Boondock Saints, movie I love. And its delivery kept me very engaged once I allowed the story to unfold. The cast was top-notch. The story itself was wonderfully crafted and presents itself with a night at the poker table while detectives share horror stories with one another. As these detectives share in their experiences over an evening of poker that takes place in the past, the main character is abducted. Okay, that's the plot. With a blending of tales from the Force and an immediate threat, the story does well presenting past and present while running Poker Night in parallel with a plot of sadistic revelation through the eyes of a madman. All the side tales and many stories go far to keep you interested in what comes next, dare I say, even as much as the main story currently unfolding does. Jesus. Which I agree. I think that the, no, wait, the He's flash- really going to town here. People giving this title a 1 out of 10 are obviously a little too pampered with their films. Quote, sign me up for your club of office awesomeness, please. End quote. And perhaps biased to their own taste for it. 
primarily being, I felt this film had a strong script. It also had a great team, and the conclusion made evil me smile a bit as well. <laughs> this will most certainly be an overlooked film in 2014, but for what few of us enjoy, but for what few of us enjoy a good story with some excellent twists and turns, this will certainly be a great detour to embark on and enjoy. Wow. Evil me. Evil me. So I think we have two like mad people uh, with our reviews this time. But um, thank you for watching this. I hope you enjoyed I did. the journey. I did. And, and again, you, could, you cannot get a cast like that Yeah, with as busy as they were at that time with all their, you know, they were all in major TV shows. And they weren't just in one location. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people who shot for like three days in a movie and it made it feel like way longer was not the case because they had to be in those flashbacks. They had to be in different locations. So everybody committed to the movie for sure. Yeah. And it had a great villain, some funny moments, yeah. which is weird. But and again, you, you got to have a, a, a good script to get those people to sign up. Yeah. And they weren't paid a lot of money. Guaranteed not. No. It was, you know, they just giving the kid a chance, you know, yeah. give him a break. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate you. Uh, again, we're uh, um, enjoying what we're doing. We'll put uh, images up on Facebook, and you can email us at a little independent podcast. And, and we just got – sorry. It just interrupted like our – Oh, no, you're fine. Our, our, our dot com there. That was <laughs> – <laughs> little independent Market- podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Mar- yeah. Marketing 101. Don't over talk. <laughs> <laughs> so the logo. Well, yeah. I mean, we're the- quite a few episodes into it. So the logo will proceed. Yeah. Us. Well, but for us, you know, we, we're launching after we do 10 episodes. So, okay. Is, is so, there, but we just got our like logo. Like this design. movie, we're going back and forwards in time. Yeah. You will see the logo before you hear the first episode. But you're going to get to this episode, and we're going to tell you we just got our logo. <laughs> Fits right in. Yeah. Mind's like blowing, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, Todd? Yes, Ryan. We'll always have Monty Doro. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? You'll love it. It's just a little Yeah, yeah, just a little independent.